Hello and welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. I'm back after a two-week break. Some people may have noticed I haven't put out an episode last week or the week before because I was sick. Researching, writing, and recording, well, (laughs) that was almost impossible with fatigue like that. But I'm back, so let's get in to this week's case, which has to do with Canada's most prolific manhunt. Charlotte, North Carolina, 2013. 18-year-old China Deese graduated from high school and she was free to explore the world and boy did she. China was a great student and even volunteered in her community, painting the elderly's fingernails. And around the holidays, she even volunteered at something called Operation Christmas Child. And there she was able to let her artistic abilities shine as she painted smiley faces on the shoebox that are filled with toys, hygiene products, pens, books, and other little surprises and gifts for children who may not be in the best living situations to receive these shoe boxes on Christmas. Everybody loved China because it was hard not to. Her warm nature drew people in. China, being the youngest of four children, had a close relationship with her siblings and her parents. They were a close family. Her and her sister even traveled to Egypt together. After China graduated high school, she started traveling the world, doing exactly what I used to do when I was that age, backpacking all over to so many countries, saving money by volunteering to work for food and accommodation at hostels or volunteer programs. And that allows you to stretch out your travel money so you can travel for longer because when you're not paying for food and accommodation, you're really just paying for things like maybe some alcohol if you want drinks and the main thing is the travel expenses themselves like flights buses stuff like that so I get her I did exactly I did exactly this a few years and about 13 countries later she decided she wanted to study psychology and business and she decided she wanted to do this at Appalachian State University in Boone North Carolina Her junior year, she got to stay true to her backpacking roots and went to France to study abroad and worked at a vineyard while she was studying. Her brother named British and her sister named Kennedy went to visit her while she was living in France. The three drank wine while sitting on the grass, looking up at the Eiffel Tower as they laughed the night away. They also visited Prague during that trip as well. So they were having a good time. In 2017, China was back in Boone at Appalachian State. And there, she was very popular. She had a lot of friends. She joined a sorority called Zeta Tau Tau Alpha. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Zeta and then T-A-U, Tau Alpha. And she had even joined a small hula hooping community and was really into hula hooping, which I love because I was a hula hooper for like eight years I loved hula hooping I saw a picture of China holding a hula hoop and it just was amazing I I really felt a strong connection with her 
when I saw that photo and when I learned all this stuff about her, I feel like she is somebody who would have been my friend. Like I would have met her while traveling and we would have hula hooped together and we would have been friends. I just really feel a connection with her. Once that year was up, she had completed her studies and graduated. So she started traveling again. And that same year while backpacking in Croatia, amazing country, love it there. She met 21 year old Lucas Fowler from New South Wales, Australia. By this time, China was around 22 or 23 years old and her and Lucas were both adventurous, young, free, and beautiful. So it didn't take long before they had formed a romantic relationship and were traveling together. Lucas and China went to America a few months after meeting in Croatia and they went on a good old fashioned American road trip. Young, in love, and on a road trip. They went into the Rocky Mountains. They visited Yellowstone. They drove down to San Diego where they parked. The, she had borrowed her father's truck for this. So she parked her father's truck somewhere. She gave it to a friend to look at, to look after, to look at. Ah, yeah, her friend probably just looked at it. No, to look after that vehicle while they crossed the Mexican border to backpack Central America on foot. And I think they even made it to Colombia. I think they even traveled a bit of South America as well, which I just love because side note, when I was that age, my sister and I backpacked Central America together. So there's a lot of similarities um, I see between these two and, and myself. By 2018, China and Lucas also traveled to Jordan and Turkey together. These two are from a fairy tale. They are living this magical life. They both have long, beautiful blonde hair, perfect beaming smiles, and they both give off well-rounded, wholesome vibes. That same year, Lucas was granted a 90-day holiday visa to America and spent Christmas with China's family, helping bake and sporting a traditional wool Christmas sweater. Very, very Americana Christmas. Love it. Since Lucas's American 90-day holiday visa was going to run out, he needed to leave the country. But luck will have it, Australians are eligible for Canadian work visas. So I'm not, I, I didn't read anything specifically that he had applied for this work visa. I'm assuming he did because they're very easy to get. So he either came to Canada on a work visa or on another 90-day holiday visa. He thought Canada is, you know, it's much closer to America. So he should give it a go. And you know, that way he's not that far from China. And they can still visit each other. So off to Canada he went. Lucas got a job in Fort Nelson, British Columbia on a ranch. And since he was a mechanic, he came in very useful. He did ranching jobs, but he also, you know, did some mechanics on the, on the ranch as well. While on this ranch, he fixed up an old 1985 Econoline van. This van is cool and he got it up to road safety standards so his boss was like good job I'm super impressed you can keep it this is your van go for it. I could just imagine that phone call to China. Lucas would have been so proud and happy to tell China they now have a van not just any van but the Econo line, it's so cool. It's perfect. It's the dream backpacker van. And what do backpackers do with a van? Well, they make it a home. And he put a bed in the back. And him and China planned a road trip. And they were going to 
go live in this van for two weeks and travel up to Alaska on Highway 97, aka the Alaskan Highway. China, she was still in America at this time while Lucas was working in Canada and, you know, getting this van ready. But they did plan the trip for June and July. So China was working double shifts as a server to pay for the plane ticket and get some travel money together. Early July, China boarded a plane to Vancouver, and by July 7th, she was on the ranch with Lucas, and she even worked on the ranch for a week with Lucas. Uh, Her and Lucas, they set off in the van for their Northern Canadian road trip on July 13th. So July 13th, 2019, China sends her mother, Sheila, the last text message she would ever send her mother, and it read, Quote, I probably won't have Wi-Fi for a few days, but don't worry, unquote. Three days later, over 1,500 kilometers away from Lucas in China was Vancouver, British Columbia. And on July 16th, a 64-year-old Leonard Dick kisses his wife of 30 years goodbye as he sets off on a solo camping trip. Leonard was headed north towards the Yukon border. And solo camping trips were not uncommon for Leonard as he had dedicated his life to botany and conservation, which means he loves nature. So the more remote, the better for Leonard. Leonard was a Botany University lecturer at University of British Columbia. And Leonard was highly regarded and respected by his students and his co-workers. Two days after Leonard embarks on his camping trip, he texts his wife and he fuels up his silver Toyota RAV4 on July 18th in northern British Columbia along the Alaskan Highway where he is seen on security cameras and that is the last footage of Leonard alive. China Deese Lucas Fowler and Leonard Dick, they didn't know each other and they never even met, but they were about to be a part of something terrible. 1,700 kilometers south from Fort Nelson, where China and Lucas were departing from, two teenage boys were also setting out on a road trip from Port Alberni on Vancouver Island, and they were headed north towards the Yukon border. They were also getting onto the Alaskan Highway. They had told uh, friends and family that they were headed to Whitehorse to find work, which is in the uh, Yukon Territory. These two boys are 18-year-old Briar Schmegelski and 19-year-old Cam McLeod. The two had been best friends for their entire lives, basically, and they both worked at Walmart in Port Alberni. They both spent a lot of time playing video games, uh, war games, like Battlestar or Battlestar Galactica. No, Let me try that again. They both spent a lot of time playing video games, war games such as Battlefield. July 12th, the two boys are seen buying an SKS semi-automatic rifle and cake from a store in Port Alberni before leaving and headed north towards Whitehorse. Nobody could predict this was the beginning of one of Canada's most prolific manhunts that will last over two weeks and span across four provinces. July 13th, Lucas and China are seen fueling up their big blue backpacker van at a gas station. The Ocano line needs fuel. That baby, you know, it really burns through it. So they're fueling up at a gas station in Fort Nelson before hitting the Alaskan Highway and headed further north. This footage 
is so sweet and innocent i just absolutely love it i watched it multiple times the two they're just they're looking so young and in love and while lucas fuels up the van china runs around washing the windows uh with the gas station squeegee and it just really looks like they work as a team really well you can just see it in this video at one point they're hugging and kissing and lucas is so tall that uh, china has to like stand on the ledge of the gas pumps to like uh, you know not be on her tippy toes to do this and it just looks like such it looks like a like a romantic movie scene like it is so beautiful eventually china runs in to pay for the fuel while lucas finishes up outside and he eventually goes in as well but when she comes out she's got road trip snacks and they both get in the van and they drive away on their road trip it is it's a beautiful moment they were clearly having the best time of their young lives just being together being free they have a van they have snacks they have fuel they have each other what more could they need the next day on july 14th china and lucas had made it about 300 kilometers north before the van broke down 20 kilometers just before liard hot springs the two they weren't bothered about it at all i mean they were most likely headed to liard hot springs because there's a nice camping section there and you walk down this forest pathway and then you get to these beautiful natural hot springs it's gorgeous i've been there multiple times and I just I love it so I'm, I'm my guess is they were headed there just 20 kilometers before the van breaks down a couple stopped to help them around 3 p.m but Lucas and China they said it was all good and they just needed to wait a bit before trying to start the van again because it was flooded so the couple just left them chilling in their lawn chairs by their van having a picnic just enjoying the sunshine not bothered at all I mean when you live in your van you're always home so if it breaks down it doesn't matter you're home the next morning at 7 a.m the van hadn't moved it was still there the couple who had stopped to check on them the day before they came back to see if they were okay and they noticed that the back window was shot out and lucas and china they were discovered in a ditch behind the van face down about five feet apart from each other both were shot to death police never released the exact injuries inflicted all we know is gunshot wounds from possibly from behind and multiple gunshot wounds so given the positioning of the bodies i would think they were maybe forced to lay down and then shot but i don't know where the gunshot wounds were on their body they didn't release that um, they didn't want to further victimize them maybe i'm not sure but I don't have much detail on that, but it was a gruesome, grisly discovery. Why the back window was shot out, I have, I, I have no idea why, why that would have happened, but I do have some theories. We can talk about that later. Police collected bullet casings from the crime scene and they had them sent to a ballistics team which discovered the ammunition was dated in 1975. So it wasn't your common bullet. It wasn't your you know common ammunition. How many people have bullets from 1975 laying around? It was also the exact ammunition for an SKS semi-automatic rifle. The bodies of China and Lucas were identified pretty quickly, I think within two days. 
so I'm not sure if they had their wallets on them. I know China's passport was eventually found hidden in the van, but it leads me to believe that their wallets may have been stolen. And the families, they were notified as, as soon as they knew who they were, um, even you know before the names had been released to the media. July 17th, China's mother, Sheila, she hears a knock on her door in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's the police. And they tell her what every mother fears. Your daughter, China, is deceased in Canada. The officer gave her the number to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Investigator and instructed her to call him. Sheila was she was devastated out of all the countries China had been to Canada was the least worrisome as a mother for her daughter to travel to and she had traveled alone this time she was with Lucas they were in Canada so she she wasn't worried at all about China on this trip Around the same time, on the other side of the world, police chief inspector of New South Wales in Australia, Stephen Fowler, was notified his son had also died in Canada. Yes, you heard that correctly. Lucas's father was at the time, and I think he still could be, the police chief inspector in New South Wales. The morning of July 19th, four days after China and Lucas's murder, another grisly scene is located 500 kilometers west of Liard Hot Springs. A pickup truck was found burning at a camping and fishing pull-off at Dees Lake. A license plate found there on the burning vehicle told police the truck belonged to Cam McLeod. An hour later, two kilometers from the burned up truck, police are informed about a body, but it's not Cam McLeod. It doesn't fit, you know, this teenage boy's description. The body found is an older man with a white beard about 60 years of age with no ID. So police wouldn't know for a while who this man was because they... They didn't have any ID, so they had to wait for the dental records to ID him. And in the meantime, they released a composite sketch asking anybody if they know this man or if somebody they know who looks like this may be missing. The body was eventually ID'd as 64-year-old Leonard Dick. Yep, the botanist who was just on his solo camping trip, who loved nature. He was just appreciating and researching and investigating nature, minding his own business, doing the world good. And he had been violently murdered. Leonard had been shot that he also had bruises and burn marks on his body. So I don't know what happened, but no more detail of the scene could be found. Um, they didn't, again, they, did, they didn't go into detail on, on really any of the, the um, injuries, but I believe the cause of death was the gunshot wound. It sounds like something truly horrifying happened out there to Leonard, and it's, it's just so sad. Police believe where Leonard was found was where he was killed, which makes me think he pulled over to camp for the night because his wife said that he would do that on those solo camping trips. He would get tired. He had a bed in the back of his RAV4. He would just pull over on the side of the road, have a sleep, wake up and drive again. So maybe he pulled over to camp for the night when he was attacked and then they stole his vehicle his vehicle was stolen and the other vehicle involved was burned two kilometers away police didn't know what was going on they're like okay just a couple days ago about 500 kilometers away 
we've got two people dead. Now we have a burned up vehicle and another man dead. Like what is happening here? And why do we have Cam McLeod's vehicle? So police were trying to piece everything together. They didn't even know if these two things were related. So police, they want to know where is Cam McLeod? And why is his truck on fire two kilometers away from a murder scene? Is he missing? Is he dead? Is he kidnapped? Is he involved? They had so many questions. They just wanted to talk to Cam. Police contact Cam's family and they tell police that him and his friend Briar had left to go to Whitehorse to find work on July 12th. Police discover that Cam and his friend Briar, they had been in that area and they were even seen on July 15th in Whitehorse buying cans of gasoline just four days before their truck was found burning which means they would have been on the same highway where Lucas and China were on the same time. So it means they would have drove up to White Horse and then drove back and then been driving back down when they did whatever they did or they were kidnapped or whatever happened, police didn't know. So they went up to White Horse and then were driving back down, which is strange if their destination was White Horse. They were seen on the security footage four days before the truck was found burning, buying gasoline. Police put a lookout for Cam and Briar just to see if they were okay, if anybody had seen them. Nobody was suspecting them of having anything to do with these murders. They were just people they were looking for. So they were missing people. Police, they searched the burned truck. They had to get a warrant for this, apparently. I don't know why they had to get a warrant but and when they finally searched the vehicle they found casings from ammunition dated when in 1975 the same ammunition discovered at the scene of china and lucas's homicide police discover security footage from the morning of july 19th the same morning the truck was set ablaze and the same morning leonard's body was discovered This security footage was of Cam and Briar in Leonard's silver RAV4 vehicle getting fuel in Terrace, British Columbia, which is 609 kilometers away from Dees Lake where the truck was burned. This meant Cam and Briar were now suspects, not missing persons. The RCMP were now on a manhunt. July 22nd, the two were spotted in Saskatchewan and caught on very clear security cameras at a store. Police make an announcement with Cam and Briar's images from that security footage, asking the public to call police if they see the two boys. Police make it very clear, do not approach them, do not talk to them, just call police. They also inform the public of the silver RAV4 they are driving. So they're like, keep a lookout for this vehicle and for these two guys. If you see it, do not approach, do not talk to them, just call police. That same day in Manitoba on July 22nd, two members from the nearby First Nations community Fox Lake Cree Nations, Tamara and Billy Beardy were berry picking when they see plumes of smoke coming out of the bush. So they go over and they have a look and there is a car on fire, a silver RAV4. Tamara wanted to get out and have a look, but Billy was like, we don't know if it's going to explode. We don't know, you know, anything about it. Just stay in the car. And they reported it to police. And it wasn't until the next day they realized it was 
the silver RAV4 that police were looking for. And it was most likely driven there by Cam and Briar, which meant Cam and Briar would have been in that area when Billy and Tamara were looking at this car get burned. So Billy and Tamara, if they would have got out, they don't know what would have happened. Cam and Briar, they could have been watching them from the bush. It was surrounded by bush. They could have, they could have been being watched. Police now decide to focus on this area to hunt for Cam and Briar. This area, it is marshy bushland. It is not your, you know, easy trekking. It is, it's, it's serious bush. But Billy, he assisted in the search by sharing his knowledge of the bush, taking investigators up and down the river by boat and helping in any way he could. This river was extremely hard to navigate. If you don't know what you're doing on it, you will die. And Billy, he was an expert on this river. Seven kilometers away from the First Nations community, Fox Lake, is a small town called Gillum, and police were all over this area searching every day for Cam and Briar. But Billy, he told the Globe and Mail in an interview that he wished they would have sent at least two police officers to Fox Lake because they even it was only seven kilometers away and people in Fox Lake they didn't feel secure they were surrounded by bush they didn't know where Cam and Briar was to their knowledge they were armed and dangerous possibly involved in these murders and at Fox Lake they don't have any street lights so they feel really alone out there they wish they would have had more police presence there Day 11 of the manhunt, police find Cam's backpack in the bush that they are searching along the river, I believe, and it gives them hope that they are on the right path. This search was full on with military vehicles, search dogs, drones, helicopters, and lots of police and military combing through the area. Yet, they couldn't find Cam and Briar. That's how thick this bush was. 17 days into the search on August 7th, Billy was hard at work navigating the dangerous waters and patrolling the river with police when he sees a raven jump up from the river's edge. And to Billy, this means something. To Billy, this means that a raven is scavenging something dead. There must be something that that raven is attracted to. So he brings it to police's attention. He said, do you see that? And when they go search the area that they that Billy had seen the raven at, well, they make another grisly discovery. Billy says the smell of death was hanging in the air, and he spent the next 13 hours going up and down the river bringing in forensic teams and other crime scene workers. Not only did Billy find the burned out car, but he had also led police to the bodies of Cam and Briar just by paying attention to the land that he knows so well. The discovery of Cam and Briar appeared they had committed suicide. Briar was found shot in the head by Cam, and then Cam had turned the gun on himself. Both of the SKS semi-automatics were with the bodies. So police know that they had bought one. One of those was new, and it was bought legally with by one of the boys had a permit for a gun. But they don't know where the other gun came from, but the boys were found with two of the SKS semi-automatics. And when I saw a picture of them, one looks new, and one looks old so maybe one was from 1975 and the ammunition was from 1975 maybe it was a collector's I have no idea I didn't get much more information on that but both of those guns were found with the boys 
Found near the bodies was also a video camera that had been stolen from Leonard Dick. And when police open it up and turn it on and they hit the play button, there was six videos queued up that Cam and Briar had recorded. They had recorded their confession and they admitted guilt 100% to killing Lucas and China and Leonard. They also talked about their suicide pact and that they wanted to be cremated. Also in these videos, they were heard talking about their plan to get a boat and take it to Africa or Europe, but the river was just so large and so fast and so dangerous. They realized they couldn't do that, so suicide was their best option also said in the video that they wanted to go back and kill more people. They wanted to continue this spree and then be dead within a week. So I guess Billy and other Fox-like community members, they had a very good reason to be terrorized by this because had there not been such heavy police presence searching for Cam and Briar, they would have probably went and killed more people and the nearest community was Fox Lake. Police, they will not release the videos found. They don't want anybody to copy what Cam and Briar did. They don't want to promote what they did. They just don't want these videos getting out there. So nobody actually knows what they've said in these videos. We just know that it's a confession and they admitted their guilt and that they it was kind of like a last will and testament and that they wanted to be cremated. But Briar's mother and father, they have seen these videos, but they had to sign a disclosure contract. So they are legally not allowed to tell anybody what they saw in those videos. Nobody knows why Cam and Briar went on a killing spree and they never said why in the videos they left either or maybe they did but and we don't know but I'm pretty sure they didn't but we'll never know we can't see these videos which is fine. There was almost a fourth victim on the Alaskan highway during their killing spree which gives us a look into what may have played out with Lucas, China, and Leonard. July 17th, a man named Ken Albertson reported he was on the Alaskan Highway and at 11.40 p.m. he pulled over to sleep for the night. While he was pulled over, a pickup truck saw him and pulled over about 50 meters in front of him and he was keeping an eye on on this pickup truck. He was like, what is going on here? And he saw a young male get out of the vehicle carrying a long gun. This male then moves to the bush line and started moving towards his vehicle in a tactical style walk like he was hunting. Ken Albertson was like, nah, buddy, not today. And he just drove away. He was like, what the fuck is going on? See you later. And as he was driving away, he noticed that in the vehicle was another male in the driver's seat and when he drove past the male covered his face with his hand the description matched cam and briar and ken albertson he did report this to police briar he seemed to be obsessed with military and he can be seen wearing full army camo uniform in some security footage and also in personal photos that he had posted on his social medias he was also known to have a swastika nazi armband and it was also reported that he was pro-communist so yikes were the two trying to live a real life battlefield game were they looking to escape the lives that they had like why did they go on this killing spree and why did innocent people who had so much to live for have to die 73 year old ed greenan who 
drives truck between Fort Nelson, British Columbia, and Whitehorse, Yukon Territory. So when police were investigating the scene of where Lucas and China were discovered, he drove past when that was happening. And of course, he learned about the horrific event that had happened there. And then after that, every time he drove past that part on the Alaskan highway, he just felt that something was missing. He felt like China and Lucas should be remembered. So he started a a memorial. Ed said he kept driving past the location and it really bothered him that there was nothing there to remember the young lives lost. So Ed started putting flowers there every time he drove past. And before long, the news did a story on the memorial, which got China's mother, uh, Sheila, and Ed talking to each other. And when Ed found out China's favorite flower was sunflowers, he brought that's he brought to the memorial a bunch of sunflowers then he brought an australian flag and an american flag to represent lucas and china and other people they started dropping off flowers too and they started writing notes and dropping them off to china and lucas and they started making signs for their memorial and it was just so beautiful it turned into like this garden memorial Ed, he also knows the pain of losing a child as his teenage daughter died years earlier I also can't help but feel connected to China in some way. And as I wrote this episode, I was shocked at how much we had in common, as I was saying before, as we both hula hooped, we both traveled a lot and to a lot of the same countries, including Croatia, Prague, Central America. We both have partners from Australia. We both worked in vineyards internationally. We both lived in, in our vans and we both backpacked and traveled in our early 20s. The thing that really gives me chills is we both traveled that Alaskan highway. I've traveled it at least four times to Liard Hot Springs with my Australian partner at least two of those times. But what's really sad is that China, she never got to experience it. And because their van broke down 20 kilometers away from Liard Hot Springs, which it really breaks my heart because I know her and Lucas, they would have loved Liard Hot Springs. I bet you they would have been the couple who goes in at nighttime and brings tea lights and lights candles and and just, and it's big. Like it's quite a, it's quite a large natural hot spring. And there's even like a river that you can swim down that is hot water it is just so incredible and they would have loved it and the fact that they made it so close and never got to experience it and just something so terrible happened to them just it really it's it's so sad cam and briar they stole three amazing lives on their spree killing adventure china lucas and leonard they were all amazing people with so much to offer the world lucas's father stephen said to media quote lucas was a fun-loving guy who had a goal to travel the world unquote he also speaks about how beautiful china and lucas's relationship was and how it became the worst love story imaginable stephen is clearly heartbroken when he's making this media announcement but being a police chief investigator himself he stays very stoic while making this media appearance which couldn't have been easy 
at all. He was he was devastated. You could see tears in his eyes, but he actually did come to Canada not to assist in the vest in the investigation, but just to be there for his son. And then there's Leonard, amazing Leonard. Leonard dedicated his life to research and teaching and conservation and was making the world a better place. He leaves behind a wife of 30 years who must be absolutely heartbroken and also his two children. Leonard's family told media that quote they are truly heartbroken by the sudden and tragic loss of Len and they had also asked the public and the media to respect their privacy during this grieving time. The University of British Columbia where Leonard worked in the botany department described Leonard as a man who spread knowledge and passion on his subject and put goodness into the world. In a memoriam post on Reddit, Leonard's students and colleagues flooded it with kind words about Leonard, such as, quote, it's tragic. We really did lose an essential contributor to the academic community. It won't be the same. That's for sure. R.I.P. Unquote. And, quote, I'm just so horrified and saddened by this news. He was a great teacher, very passionate and knowledgeable, unquote. Leonard was an amazing man and he will be missed by everyone who knew him. This man was so well-rounded. He loved playing guitar. He loved drawing. He loved science. So not only was he a part of the scientific community, but he was also part of the artistic community as well. He loved art. I remember when this was all happening and, and hearing about the murders that had happened at Liard Hot Springs and thinking like, oh my god I was just traveling there with my Australian partner in my van not long ago and I remember following the manhunt thinking the two must have been heading to like Ontario or Quebec when when it came out that they were spotted in Saskatchewan and then Manitoba because to me it seems like they were moving east but then not long after that they were found dead in the bush and I remember at the time of the manhunt that the father of Briar Schmegelski, Alan is his name, he was talking to the media a lot. He was doing all kinds of interviews, crying on camera, saying he doesn't think that his son is capable of murder. And until they have evidence that his son did this, he he won't believe it. He told, he, he said in interviews that his son was pretty bush savvy and could survive in the bush but the the interviews they are hard to watch because alan he's clearly upset his son is on the run the entire world is is calling his son a murderer and then something really strange happens so there was an article published july 28th 2019 by the canadian press which by the way is only six days into the manhunt Alan announces a 132-page book that he has written about him and his son's life, but says it's based on fact and fiction, and it is titled Red Flagged. The book contains Alan's criminal background and mental health background, as well as stating that he is homeless. He says he will self-publish the book and make it free for people to read, which I believe he did because I found images of um, the PDF files of some of the chapters, like chapter six titled A Life Ends, which is about the death of his father who had received a blood transfusion in the 1980s that was infected with HIV. 
The government refused to compensate Allen and his family for the death of his father. Chapter 7 was titled, Get Me Some Cocaine, You Stupid Naive Prick. This chapter seems to be about his wife being abusive to him. And I also found chapter 12 titled, Child Abuse as a Divorce Strategy which this chapter seems to be about exactly that, him, him and his wife's messy divorce. I'm not sure if he had been working on this book for a while or wrote it in six days. I have no idea, but I, I think maybe because since so many people were asking him questions nonstop, he was just getting bombarded with the media and the public and interviews and that perhaps maybe he had written this book or he wrote it really quickly because he thought that maybe that was the best time to release it because people were just asking so many questions. He's probably just like, you know what? I've been working on this book and I'm going to release it. I don't really know the details, but he did release a book called Red Flagged. I did look it up because I wanted to see if I could download the PDF file. I couldn't find it. I could only find images of the PDF chapters before this killing spree that briar and cam went on the last deaths at liard hot springs were in 1997 and it was a woman and a man and they were attacked and killed by a black bear while walking down the forest path to the hot springs on august 14th so in the summer of 1997 patty mcconnell from texas and ray kitchen from fort nelson they were they weren't traveling together there but they were the two killed by the black bear two others that day were also attacked but they survived the mauling so from what i gather patty and her son kelly they who were on the pathway to the hot springs were getting attacked by this black bear when ray could hear this and he ran up and he was trying to save patty and her son unfortunately it was too late for patty but he did save her son kelly but the bear turned its aggression onto ray and practically decapitated him this bear wasn't done yet he then chased after and grabbed another man by the leg and started mauling and dragging the man around but fortunately he survived he somehow got a tree stump or like a fallen tree in between him and the bear and he did survive but he needed multiple surgeries and ample recovery time another man arrived on scene and saw what was happening he ran to get his gun and shot the bear three times before it died holy shit that is so out of character for a black bear to be that aggressive especially with that many people around and at that time of year it's not even like it was going into hibernation maybe it had cubs with it maybe it wasn't a he maybe it was a mama bear i don't i don't know i didn't read anything about any cubs being found i have heard of grizzly bears doing stuff like that but never black bears and i've walked on that pathway many times alone even sometimes and even sometimes at night one time i did see a mother moose with her baby like a, a moose calf i think they're called a calf but they were chill and there was like a park warden ranger there and he was like don't worry moose are really calm this time of year she you know she's given birth here before it's like a little um nursery i guess this moose kind of used liard hot springs as a nursery so liard hot springs it is a magical place but it can also be dangerous due to the multiple predators so if you ever go just make sure to be safe 
That concludes this week's episode of the Alaskan Highway Murders. Lucas and China, it happened on the Liard River, just 20 kilometers from Liard Hot Springs. But Leonard Dick, he was a bit further up the Alaskan Highway. So that's why it's been dubbed the Alaskan Highway Murders. To Cam and Breyer, I say hell fucking no. Don't forget to give me a five-star rating and follow Hell No, A True Crime podcast on Spotify. Also, check out the Hell No, A True Crime podcast Instagram page for photos pertaining to this case. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye.